Oh, but the plants at work, this girl brought in, you know what cuttings are? So if you have a plant like my pothos, which is like a super healthy plant that has lots of these like individual, see? Uh-huh. You cut off one of these strands that are super healthy and then you repot it and it starts like creating roots and you can create more plants for other people. So her plant created this little baby. Fascinating. So I have that little baby. And then I have my dead fern, and then I have my pothos. What's up with you? Still have your dead fern? It's it's kind of kicking. Oh yeah, we uh, we killed mine. Uh, I also have my my tea. Yeah, peppermint green tea. It's a holiday tea that uh, they got at the trade hose. Gross. What's gross? One day you'll like tea. I have a feeling. I will never. I will. I refuse to like tea. I have a feeling one day. And I especially refuse to like tea that you bought at Trader Joe's. Why? What's wrong with Trader Joe's? I was just buying coffee at Trader Joe's. I also bought coffee at Trader Joe's. Oh, my God. Uh, Wait, can I leave? I quit. Trader Joe's has good coffee. No, I don't. That's like telling me you bought coffee at Walmart. No, it's not. You've never been to a Trader Joe's is what I'm now deducing. It's the exact same thing. Mass-produced, terrible coffee. Nobody I've, wants that. I've seen you buy coffee at a... Uh, at a where? Grocery store. So how's that any different? No, you haven't. Yes. No, you haven't. I swear I've seen you buy coffee. Fucking prove it. Fucking prove it. You have never seen that happen because I order every coffee bean online. I will go get the receipts from uh, Knob Please Hill do. Groceries. And, uh, <laughs> Good luck. And I'd love to know what I bought there. Nope. At most, I bought it from Phil's. I would never buy coffee at a grocery store. That is like the number one rule of coffee is that you never buy it at a grocery store. I don't think that's the number one rule of coffee. Because the shelf life of coffee is like two days. Which is why you buy a whole bean. Okay, uh-huh. And the shelf life of whole bean is two days. Uh-uh, there's no way. Yes, huh. Sure. I'm Googling Why do you it? think every roastery roasts it and then what shifts it the to you immediately? What is the shelf life of whole bean coffee? This is from the reliable source of myfriendscoffee.com. Roasted coffee beans are best if used 10 to 14 days. There you go. Okay. Do you think the beans on a coffee at a shelf at Trader Joe's have been there for less than a week? Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Roasted coffee beans uh, in heat sealable bags and heat sealable bags are are good stored up to 12 months. Roasted beans packed in sealed oh, containers. Bullshit. Six months. Bullshit. It's disgusting. It's disgusting for a it's reason. It's disgusting. <laughs> Go to any coffee shop and it will be on the shelf for a week and then they will throw it away or give it away. But it's not just roasted right then. For instance, it Phil's, for is. instance. Phil's was roasted. It's just as bad as Starbucks. No. Yes, it is. I think you're crazy. Go to any real coffee you're... shop. You live in D.C. You've got some options. I've gone Go to, to any real lots coffee of shop. real coffee shops. Go to a Blue Bottle and look at the bag. Blue Bottle is nasty. And look at the bag and see when the date was. It was at least within five days. I 100% don't believe you. God. And tell me, please, pray tell. Actually, don't tell me because it will make me throw up and make me want to die and make me want to throw myself off a cliff. But please tell me what machine you use to make your coffee. My Ninja Coffee Maker. Oh, and that's when I grabbed the razors and slit my wrist because what the fuck? Oh, you might as well just said the Bunomatic. Mr. Coffee would have been the other answer that I would have not accepted. No, ma'am. Expected. You have this like weird thing about coffee that like I think only you have because people who love coffee, they are totally okay 
with coffee pots. <laughs> no person who loves coffee is totally okay with a t- the coffee pot. Yes, they are. So, someone who thinks they like coffee is like, yeah, that'll do the trick. That's the sludge that no. I will, the, the, the cheap swill that I will go ahead and deal with today because it was easy and fast and all words that you should never describe that with. Once again, I'm going to pull up Phil's. Phil's coffee is so good and so like well-known because all they do is create pour-over coffees, right? It's the whole brand. Okay, yeah. A pour-over coffee is practically uh-huh. a drip coffee. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, it is, practic- oh, it is practically a drip coffee, just with no, more it's not. coffee. You, you can't say the words practically when it comes to coffee. You can't say the words easy, fast, quick. I bought it at Trader Joe's. You can't say those words. I refuse them. I, I will. I will. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Any self-respecting coffee person should just, I don't know. Give up if that's if that's what you think, listeners. If that's what you think, please God unsubscribe. I don't need to. I don't need is you. Is drip coffee bad coffee? Why drip coffee is, is actually the healthiest brewing method? Okay, I don't. I'm not asking for healthy over here. Oh, here's the subreddit for coffee, which you know I never go on Reddit, but you know subreddits have really you know good information. Sure. This says it's not the concept of drip coffee that is bad. It's the fact that nearly all low-end automatic drip machines are not designed to make coffee properly. Wrong water temperature, wrong speed or flow, hot plates under the craft, which burns, which ends up burning the finished product. With the exception of, couple, of a couple high-end machines, automatic drip coffee makers are just not capable of making the best cup of coffee. This has actually changed dramatically throughout the years as more consumer machines are able to make quality drip coffee. And I have a high-end coffee. My coffee maker is like $150. It is not like some like rinky-dink <laughs> Mr. Coffee. as high-end, but okay. Did, you, did I ever send you the lovely Instagram live that I uh, <laughs> screen recorded almost its entirety? If you did, I did not watch any of it. You've sent me five links today. I haven't looked at them. Okay, well, let's go through them so now. my to-do list. <laughs> or my to-don't list. Okay, fuck you, dude. It was like... 1 a.m. over here in on the East Coast. And I had a little thing that popped up that said, Kevin McHale is going live. And I was like, that's weird. Um, I don't think he, I've seen him gone live like ever. Maybe I haven't. I just didn't get a notification. Who knows? And so I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, this is cute. Like he's having fans jump on and they're all like really excited. And I should have been like, join our podcast. For any of you who don't know, Kevin McHale plays Artie. On Glee. And uh, then I was laughing because I noticed that somebody commented on the Instagram live. They were like, OMG, he can walk. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, that's funny. And then they said something else. And I realized that it was Amber Riley, who plays Mercedes, who was giving him that like she was like trolling him in his Instagram live. And then she requested and then they did the live together for like 30 minutes and it was so cute. I think it made like every little Glee Kids heart like stop. I'll probably end up uploading some of the Instagram live to the Instagram because it was just uh, it was a cute moment, cute wholesome moment. I have uh, no, no reaction because, you know, it doesn't impact me whatsoever. It's about the show that you have a podcast about. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not invested. I don't like, you know. 
How are you it's still, too soon for me to care? How are you still not invested? <laughs> I don't know. I don't care about the actors. It's not like I care. Like if one of those two were to die, I don't think I would notice. Like on the show, you know. I can't cry in the first season with somebody unless the show is Parenthood, you know? Oh my god, Parenthood. That shit right? got you. Ah. Uh. I'm saying this but this is also just not a sad show. Like I'm not expected to cry. There's no like, you know, I don't know. There's just nothing that like really like unless it's at a relationship maybe you know like the will and emma moment i just don't there's nothing that's going to rip out my heartstrings i don't think they have any of that yet uh i want to say glee was a comedy i know i think that's what i'm not obsessed with i think i just want a drama and i want some depth and i want like I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm missing like a one tree hill moment. I don't know if I'm missing like a school shooter situation. Like I just feel a little bit detached. Did you not just tell me that you liked this episode? (laughs) Oh, I love this episode. Okay. So this episode's great. Okay. But what I'm saying is that what I want from a TV show of any capacity is something that will make me like happy, but sad, but scared, but whatever it might be. But they're still doing, no show does that in the first season other than Parenthood. Uh, okay, like, sure. Like, think about your favorite comedy, Superstore. Did it yeah, do but again, all that's that? a comedy. But this is a comedy, that's what I'm saying. I think Glee is oh, technically well, that's what I'm saying. a comedy. I don't like. Sure, and that's what I'm saying I'm not into. Well, then you can go watch that NBC yeah. show with the guy from How I Met Your Mother that was only on for one season, because that was a drama that they tried to make yeah. like Glee that did not work out. <laughs> I don't know if they tried to make that like Glee, and I love that show. I only could get through the first like, and I'm a Gleek, right? I I I Dalton because it wasn't like Glee, Gleek. and it was not like Glee. That's why I liked it. Isn't that telling you that if you didn't like it and you do like Glee, and I liked it and I don't love Glee, doesn't that mean that that show wasn't like Glee by definition? I just think that Glee will get there. It d- not it does when there's more character development and you start caring more for the characters. And then there's, you know, there's more, they can actually like do things with the plot because they're not doing, spending so much time developing characters. Then like it gets to that point, I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. I don't think Ryan Murphy knows how to do that. So he has done it before. And also speaking of Ryan Murphy, prove um, this episode, he came back, he came back to direct and write solely. So this episode that you and I both think is a great episode was directed, created, and written by Ryan Murphy. And the best parts about it were Madonna. (laughs) (laughs) None of which had to do, and the performances, none of which had to do with Ryan Murphy. Well, you had obviously like directing is a big impact. I think he's just saying cut or action. No. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just will never understand why people like him or care or give him money. Because he's talented. And like Jane Lynch, for instance, obviously was directed a great way for this. Let's get in to the first event episode of Glee, Power of Madonna. In the 15th episode, we learn about Sue's idol and her hair angst. The boys learn how not to objectify women. And there's a lot of sex. Well, sort of. And that's what you missed on... Glee, express yourself. I just thought, I thought wow. that was needed, you know? I don't think it was. <laughs> um, so the episode starts out with the objectively, probably the best scenes in all of Glee, which is Dear Journal. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and we find out that Sue loves Madonna, even in voiceover. <laughs> 
and she immediately says the phrase, the power of Madonna, or how powerful she is. It's not like quite on the nose, but I immediately knew that I was not getting a point this episode for my prediction last week, which was that Kurt would be the one to say that. Sure, he chimes in here and there about like how jazzed he is to do Madonna at some point, but he never quite says that quote. And it was um, immediately crushing to my, uh, you know, scoreboard. And we find out that Sue's biggest dream is to pay homage to Madonna. And she finally feels like she can with her talented Cheerios. And so she also decides this is the time to force Figgins to play Madonna throughout the PA system in the hallways. Did yours? I have to ask, do you say the word homage or homage? I think homage. I say the word homage. I don't think homage is correct. So I'm always just curious. <laughs> I think you could say either. I, I don't I don't agree. know why. <laughs> I'm all about homage. It just sounds like French. It sounds like high class. It's like, let's pay homage. What did I just say? You said homage. Yeah, it's because it's homage. Now, um, I do have a question, though. <laughs> For you, the huh. she's making them play Madonna over the PA system. Did your high school ever yeah. do that? Play music on the PA? No. Never music. I think that during Spirit Week, at least through my senior year, I remember them playing music. Or was it a deck? It was Spirit Week, and I feel like it was during like a decades day or something, where like the seniors dressed up as '90s and the you know juniors dressed up as '80s or whatever. They would play a song from those between the classroom changes. It definitely, definitely would not be during I, I class, a, but it was between like classroom changes. I do have a perfect PA system story okay. though, because this week is Turkey week, AKA cause Turkey day, AKA cause Thanksgiving is on Thursday. And this episode comes out on black Friday, which I probably am calling for people to cancel it because I think, I don't know how we're still saying the words black Friday, but whatever. Um, once upon a time, call it the native American day of remembrance. Cause that's what it is. Wait, Thanksgiving or black, black Friday? Friday. Okay, Sure. Um, what about Black Friday? We keep calling it Black Friday. We're cool with that? I don't think it's a problem. Once upon a time, my friend, Jake. From State Farm? At his school, from State Farm, with his red polo. What are you wearing, Jake, from State Farm? With his polo on, at his elementary school, had what was called a turkey gobbling contest. Such that Like, gobble me, grade, swallow me, drip down the side of me. Bitch, I'm out when I let him get inside of me. Don't tell him where to put it, but I'll tell him where it ought to be. Oh, my God. <laughs> So <laughs> I don't know what's happening right Wop. now. Yeah, I'm not woke enough to ever have listened to that song. So every grade at this school would play along in this contest. So much so that each classroom would nominate a turkey gobbler. They would have like an internal contest. Is this like a noise? Is that what they're talking about? The noise of the gobbler? Like the noise the turkey makes, the gobble. Okay. And they would all do this. Then it would kind of proceed like a tournament. You know, where you got through all the classes of your grade, and then you went against all of the grades. There was one person from each grade. And when you got to that kind of finalist level, they did it on the PA system. (laughs) So Jake, yes, so Jake had this fucking like phenomenal gobble. It was like in his throat. It was like, whatever it might be, right? You know, it was perfect. He easily got through the first few rounds. But then, when it was time to go on the PA system, he was nervous. And the prize was big. The prize was a big, you know, for an elementary school kid, big Hershey bar, right? So the stakes were huge. Wasn't that funny that that was like the prize? (laughs) Oh my God, I know. 
And he got up to that PA system microphone and they were all expecting that person, that person who had fought through round after round after round. And he got up to the microphone, nervous and shaking, eyes closed, and he spoke into the mic. Gobble, gobble. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, Jake did not win. I can't. Candy bar. There you go. PA systems. We love them. Love to love them. (laughs) This episode is great. And one of the reasons that it's great is because... Um, Santana and Brittany are in like every up ep- or in like every scene. Yes, they definitely got more present because we we get to see Santana's bracelet, which is WWMD, which is what would Madonna do? <laughs> why Sorry, was that it took me so a second. Hard. Did you? Have a- I have it written down WWMD, but I don't have why. Uh, you know, like what the M stood for. Did you have a WWJD bracelet? Because I sure did. <laughs> um, I had some, but like not ones that I ever wore. I just remember clearing out like a giant storage thing, you know, and like going through and finally throwing shit out that was in like storage bins. And I had plenty of those. And then Sue decides to task all the Cheerios with dating a younger man. Sorry, freshman. (laughs) You've got to go troll the middle schools. So we're with the Cheerios and Sue just basically proclaims, right? That Madonna is her goddess, right? right? That's that is everything to her. If she could have a shrine in her office, she would of Madonna, which is weird to me to hear Sue, who is like this, like this person who is so like uh, so much self-esteem, right. I guess, right. Having an idol. I think that's always interesting to hear someone who I don't know is either successful or like, you know, thinks they are whatever it is, have someone like that. Well, I think that. everyone, even if they are successful, has someone like that. Like I have a Demi Lovato shrine. <laughs> I don't think we're successful, so I think you can cut us right the fuck out of there. Not until Jane Lynch comes on this goddamn show. Being Kristen Chenoweth approved does not yet make us successful. I think we got to get so, Kristen Chenoweth on this podcast. I mean, we need some. Maybe I'll DM her. Um, there you go. But I think there's, that's something. But so much so that she turns to Becky, and Becky makes a reappearance, which I was which I was there for. And she's like, Becky, you're no longer Becky, whatever, right? You're just Becky. So she loves Madonna. After Sue lays down the law, we then get to go to the choir room where Rachel's asking all the girls for some advice. And as Will would say, um, they're in a little sorority. Um, <laughs> and she goes, guys, I need some help. And Satana goes, yes, you should move to Israel. <laughs> <laughs> and she needs some help figuring out what to do about her Jesse predict mint because they just went to a Wiggles <laughs> concert last week. <laughs> I was like, why? Like, you're you're at least 16. Right. Like, what are you doing? Is it the gay dads? Were the gay dads into the wiggle dads? Maybe. That's my only guess, right? They were like, ah, they maybe they knew. Maybe her dads knew the hidden meaning to the to the very popular song. Fruit salad, yummy, yummy. I think there might be a, a gay innuendo there. I don't want to dissect that too mm-hmm. far. I think I'm good. But fruit salad, yummy, yummy. Very interesting. We found out Rachel is a virgin and Jesse wants to have the sex. And also this entire podcast, uh-huh. I'll only be referring it to it as the sex. Ah, uh, well, that's good because I will be referring to it as the nasty. <laughs> and um, Rachel's asking them for advice. And Santana's advice, I think, is very helpful. Um, never say no. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, right. Or right. Brittany's she's ad- like, get it. <laughs> or Brittany's advice is even better, which is, what's the worst that could happen? Sorry, Quinn. <laughs> I when I tell you, I about lost my shit when Quinn is just sitting there, like. <laughs> Yeah. She looks like that meme of Tiffany Pollard sitting on the edge of the bed with her sunglasses on and she's just like This is this is lost on me again. I'm so sorry. I think everyone knows that meme. And we find out that Artie tells Tina that the goth thing was so two thousand and late and that if she wants to get all up on this, she's gonna have to tone it down, find a new look. And wear some tighter clothing. This was the way that they illustrated that guys suck. You yeah. Know, and that they are basically being objectified constantly by the people who you wouldn't think would know how to objectify women, let alone talk to women in the first place. The uh, the kids in the glee club of all people, right? Maybe the football players, but not Artie, our handy capable secondary character. Right. And Will is listening to the whole thing and interrupts to suggest that maybe Rachel should go to Emma, which apparently Rachel tried. <laughs> He also interrupts to basically say, like, yeah, these guys are terrible. You, you like you kids, you know, you deserve whatever, whatever, whatever. And I was just I was just being Callie in that moment. I channeled my inner Callie and I said, Callie would hate this scene. Like if she's still watching along, she would be calling him a hypocrite. She'd be like this bitch popping in there to give advice that he doesn't know how to give. Yes. And then Rachel went to Emma and Emma was like, no help with the sex. Because Emma, too, is a virgin who can't drive, which we found out, I think, last episode, right? Yep. Um, And Emma's like, oh, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Um." (laughs) And so then we cut to Emma's office, and we get to see two more pamphlets. (laughs) Which I didn't read, so Uh, what did they say? The first one was, help, I'm in love with my stepdad. Uh, The second one is... Also known as Dalton's Hole... Eighth grade year. Huh? I don't, <laughs> I don't have a stepdad. <laughs> I'm just making shit up. Um, and the second one is... Uh, you don't... You're not a child of divorce. No. You strike me as a child of divorce. A lot of issues, you know? I think you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the second pamphlet is, I'm still breastfed, but how old is too old? <laughs> <laughs> I also like that she calls out what are ostensibly the uh, the three female role models that these girls must be looking up to, right? Spears, Lohan, and Ann Coulter. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I get maybe some Spears. Oh, yeah. And we had a lot of Spears this episode, a lot of, uh, you know, face mics. That was Madonna. And but Spears. Madonna did it first. And then Will and Emma decide to team up to help the girls find their confidence, find their inner Madonnas. But then it, it wasn't Madonna at this point, just finding their inner confidence. Because Will still doesn't remember that Madonna exists yet. Right. I was just reading my notes like, I'm like, how did this song come out of nowhere? And then I realized the first performance we get, Ray of Light, is that what it's called? Ray of Light by Madonna, which I will tell you, I only know the name of the song because I turned, I was watching this with Amber. You know, our friend Amber, Morgan. you call her something that's not Amber Morgan. Yeah. Um, and I said, what's this called? You know? And she was like, I think it's called Ray of Light. Um, so Morgan, who has not watched an episode of Glee is watching. And um, she tells me it's Ray of Light. And this is the Cheerios performing on stilts, which was cool. Like 
Good job. So cool. And I was also thinking in my head, like, what glee choreographer who was so used to people dancing on the ground was like, let's get some stilts. Bring in the stilts. uh, Paramount. Right. Or whatever, you know, lot they're at. Like, let's raise the roof a little bit uh, and get some people on some stilts. I'm like, yeah, that was. And this is an important first performance. It's important because of like an eventual performance that I surely thought was going to end this episode and somehow didn't. And I'm mad about it. So this, this performance matters to me because of something that I'll say later. And every time the Cheerios practice, Sue has to knock them down a peg. So she screams into the, the megaphone sloppy freak show babies. Um, and we find out that Will was watching the entire time. Uh huh. Which basically inspires him. And then, (laughs) Uh, knowing that Will is there, you know, Sue's got to say some shit to him. And she was like, talk, talked about the smell of the cookies wafting from his hair because of the little elves that are living in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we love a Keebler elf joke. Um, we find out that Sue potentially has another illness, you know, let's add it to her list of illnesses, <laughs> um, because she is passing a gallstone right now. You think that's hard? Try passing a gallstone. I don't even know what a gallstone is. Well, you have a gallbladder. Uh-huh. And, and it creates stones just, just like, like your kidneys, kidneys do? And they're... God, our organs are fucked both up. both organs that can be removed. Sure. Then why do we have them in the first place? Get rid of them. At birth, you should do three things. One, circumcision. Two, plop out the, gall, the gallbladder. And three, take that fucking appendix out. You don't need that. You think they should be like auto-correcting for the universe, you know? No. Because why... Because eventually... Someone goes through appendicitis, eventually someone goes gallstones, and eventually somebody's got to deal with an uncircumcised dick. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get through that bit. Uh, so a choir room, <laughs> we're back to the choir room, and <laughs> Will announces that Madonna is the assignment of this week, and the first thing that Puck says goes, Hall of Fame MILF. <laughs> uh-huh. And... Then they also, and then Puck asks, can the guys do something other than Madonna? And Finn's like, yeah, what's like the guy version of Madonna? And Will's like, no, we're doing this because y'all are some douchebags. Yeah, well, he says what the guy version is, Finn does. He says Pantera, and I don't know what that is. What the fuck is Pantera? I couldn't even Google it. Oh, it's the off-brand version of Panera, where instead of serving salads and sandwiches, they just serve um, soggy biscuits. (laughs) Okay. Soggy Biscuits, also Dalton's favorite game to play in high school. Um, Pantera is actually, according to Wikipedia, is a heavy metal band formed in uh, 1981. So there you go. That's Finn's concept for uh, music, Journey, and Pantera. And Will's like, dare I say it, you boys have been misogynist lately. (laughs) And Brittany's like, when I pulled my hamstrings, I went to a misogynist. (laughs) (laughs) And right off the bat, the gay Kurt (laughs) says he would like to create a multimedia project with Mercedes. Almost Uh like they've been like talking about this for a while, but oh yeah, um, you know they were ready. Um, and then for some reason we get this performance. What's the I'm convinced you don't listen to the dialogue in the show. Rachel (laughs) does something. She gets up, and I just don't follow that closely. Again. Finn decides to push further, saying that Madonna just doesn't really relate to high school students. And Rachel decides to uh, show them up by starting a song, proving him wrong. Uh, sure. 
Which is um, express yourself. Why did you say it with a randomly? question mark? Because she's proving a point and express yourself is the way she's doing it. I don't know. Yeah. A great Madonna sure. song about women yeah, expressing but- themselves, you know, not stick, not, not, you know, letting the man take over. Okay. Sure. Um, the, I just found it a little raunchy for high school. Everything in Glee is raunchy. I know, but this was like extra raunchy. It's like, it's like I would have, I, me, pers- the human would allow it, but me looking at it through the lens of like society and what they would allow at a performance for a high school, they would have Once never again, allowed this. Once again, this wasn't a performance. Well, but it's one of those weird performances, right? Which is like randomly they're in the choir room and then you're randomly on stage. I never understand that. Well, I think like I get it, but I don't. Yeah, but I think like they would never perform this at a sectionals or a regionals or whatever. But when it's just the when it's right. just the choir room, sure. When it's just the glee the glee right. choir, yeah. But then that to me immediately means and they should just do it in the choir room. No, because if they're gonna have costumes, they're gonna go to the auditorium. Exactly. But it's never gonna be on a real stage, so I just never understand it. Whatever. The outfits so are they've good got though. This, uh, Right, right. I wrote that was the first thing I wrote down. Love the outfits and the pantsuit vibes. I also like that Quinn is no like, longer pregnant. <laughs> exactly. Yes, she's rather slim here, is what I said, because it it like it's like a masculine fit, but underneath it is like dominatrix, the corset, you know, hyper feminist, whatever. Not feminist, but hyper feminine. like uh, feminine. Yes. And then there's some like crotch grabbing at some point. There's like things that I just don't think a high school girl would do. You know, maybe they would nowadays. I don't know what high school you went to, but <laughs> um, oh yeah, y'all were singing "Give much You of Hell" a at a <laughs> old county settlers, fair. which was the name of the county fair or well city. Not fair, only town does Quinn fair. not look pregnant, she also like isn't dancing like a pregnant like she gets on the ground and does like rolls and like i'm like girl um amber looked at this and said okay <laughs> like what are we doing like chill out kids oh i loved it um, um yeah. But, well yeah i sure. was so into again, this number britney moment which i understand is maybe a madonna moment. i've never watched a madonna performance except for like the super bowl i watched i've seen every That's, music video like a hundred times like my parents made me watch them oh my god and, <laughs> Okay, just because you follow it up with my parents made me watch that doesn't make it less gay. <laughs> well, the Immaculate Collection, I like vision, like, v- what's it called? Um, I vividly remember my parents listening to the Immaculate Collection on like every road trip that we went on. So we have to remember my parents are both children of the 80s. And so they were like, you know, really, <laughs> this was their this was their zhuzh. This is their gig. I mean, so are mine. I don't think I've ever heard Madonna. Like in the You're house also in Indiana, you okay. listen to John Cougar Mellencamp. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I don't fucking know. I mean, sure. Whatever. It just seems pretty gay of you to watch a hundred plus music or whatever. At the end of the day, it's a great express yourself was a great number. I was into it. The boys on the other hand were not into it. Right. Cause the boys are straight. No, um, I think, yeah, I think they're just being very like, straight. no, it's, they're masculine. missing the whole point Bro-y. of the lesson, which is that like they need to understand what other people, what the girls are going through and that other people go through well, things that yes. they don't go through. But this is like the only spot on moment of this show. This is how high school boys are. That's this is a spot on. But we can expect more. Yeah, totally. And there's a good meeting here. But the facts of the matter are the boys who are in high school aren't watching this show. 
<laughs> and they are exactly doing what those kids are, were doing. Just again, I don't count you as a boy in high school at this time. I count you as a gay in high school, regardless of if you knew your sexuality. It knew. Madonna <laughs> knew. And so did all those music videos you watched. It I knew. also wasn't gay, and I'm still not gay. Oh my God, whatever. We go to the hallway, and Brittany and Santana are both all dressed up in there, and they're Madonna zhuzh. And Brittany <laughs> announces that she is dating a seven year old. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Santana says, I need a younger, inferior man. And instantly, instantly, Finn is that man. <laughs> and I was like, absolutely. And I love that we are finally getting to see this development of Santana, where we find out that she's like a bitch. And <laughs> so she walks up to Finn and is like asking him out. And she's like, you're about as sexy as a Cabbage Patch Kid. <laughs> She calls him exhausting. And I was like, he fucking is exhausting. He's the worst. And she's like, I can sleep with you and it will not matter. <laughs> and she literally tells him that his like virginness is like too much. His finescence. Um, and then we go to Emma's office and we realize that Madonna is not playing in Emma's office. And she's invited Sue to come see her. And she asks Sue, what's the deal with that? And Sue breaks her to her. She doesn't deserve Madonna. <laughs> because Emma has no, or whatever she calls her here, Ursula, Irma, who fucking knows. She has no features that allow her to embody and experience Madonna. She has all the sensuality of a panda at the zoo that refuses to mate. <laughs> Which is go. actually a thing. Uh, so DC is like one of the last two remaining zoos in America that has pandas. And, um, pandas, you know, like women ovulate like once a month. Sure. Pandas only ovulate. I think like every 18 months or something, it's something wild. Like it's a long period for them to be possibly become pregnant. So Mm -hmm. they have to make sure that they have sex during that time period. And most of the time pandas don't want to. And so they always end up inseminating the pandas to force them to become pregnant. Anywho, um, Finn then confronts Rachel about her potentially dating Jesse because Santana has told him that, yeah, bro, she's still dating right. him, no matter what you want to believe. And Rachel fucking admits it, you know? And I'm just like, okay, all right. The secret is no longer a secret. Um, and of course, Finn's mad. Yeah. And he tells her, he was like, you know what? We can be friends now. But if Jesse turns on you, like I know that he's going to then that friendship over gutted. Typical Finn tantrum or again, a fintrum that I told you I would refer to it as from now on. And then Rachel decides to do a mashup, which I think I don't remember of all the Madonna songs in this episode. This is not one that I remembered happening, but I enjoyed it. It's borderline. I did too. And open your heart. Which is... Oh, was it a mashup? Yeah, those are two different songs. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. That's how much I don't know Madonna. Um, but it was good. Yeah, I, you know, for the first time, I didn't hate Finn here. I mean, it was still, again, very auto-tuned. But whatever. Uh, it's fine. I also like, particularly when they're walking down the hallway, 
And at first, I thought that it was a bunch of like 80s outfits no, happening. No, no, no. But in reality, in retrospect, I think that it's every one of her iconic performances. Yes, it's all of Madonna's iconic outfits, outfits from like music videos yes. and performances. And it's all these people wearing them. Um, yep. And I think that's great. And I also wrote that now Rachel's getting to be the fuck boy because she's like leading him on, pulling him through the school. And because he him, likes like I her, told you, dragging and him. She's like, I'm with Jesse. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, but it was it was kind of iconic. And this is where I was kind of like, with that that happening, you know, I know you called this like an event episode before. That is what made me think that every episode should embody that to some point. Like, because that's what the show is, right? It's a way to kind of celebrate music, musicians and incorporate that into someone's lives and show how music kind of paints a picture and let somebody live life vicariously through that music or attach it and live through it and feel it. Right. And so that's what made me think that that should be like every episode because it was just an easy way to tie it all together, to have the music kind of connected throughout all coming from the same artist. And it's like, you got to really experience kind of one artist's way to kind of associate all these things that maybe happened in their life or at least, you know, embodied like an era. And you know what I'm excited to embody? This verse stop. (laughs) (laughs) But I decided to do something that came out since the last episode. Real new music by... Uh Uh-oh, is this Miley? No. Even though though Prisoner with Dua Lipa is a bop, I'm deciding to go with a brand new song. It is called Man's World by the artist previously known as Marina and the Diamonds, now just known as Marina. about not wanting to live in a man's world anymore and having to deal with all that bullshit kind of like the man by taylor swift and we're talking about female empowerment this episode the power of madonna yeah 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 so whoever the diamonds are you know that part of the band uh somebody sent me maybe you how to be a heartbreaker because i was like who's that that was like a week or two ago i don't know three that weeks wasn't ago, me i don't think no idea um, so no, I don't know who that band is though. Oh yeah, you did in October. You said you were currently upstairs jamming to Marina. And I said, what's Marina? And then you sent me <laughs> and oh. then, how to be a heartbreaker. <laughs> that was you. Um, is that not the album right. name? Um, it's the number one song. No, the album is called Electra heart. Mm, that's right. Uh, there has to be even fuck dudes. Cause I think like every twink, Like, this is their idol. (laughs) So we come back, and Kurt and Mercedes are having a little girl gab in the hallway. And we find out that Artie and the AV Club are helping them with their Madonna video Uh that they're making. Uh 
And Sue decides that this is the time to address the fact that Will is stepping on her turf. <laughs> yeah, you can have anyone else. Your Barbaras, your shares, your... I don't even know. Who's who's Barbara? She, she says Barbara's, right? Streisand. Oh, you're the person who is famous for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> um, the first song to give you goosies in this show, yes, by Barbara Streisand. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she's like, but, you know, you can't have Madonna. But she lost her train of thought because of all the margarine he had put in his hair that day. <laughs> <laughs> and Will decides to fight back on her hair this time. And he call it says that she has that Florence Henderson look. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Oh but my I was God. Like, Carol Brady from the Brady uh. bunch. <laughs> Jesus. That's actually good. That's a good one. It was, but then he says something else for his second burn and I didn't understand it. What's a Floby? I don't know. I, I assumed it. it was like some sort of like old timey, like, curlers or something. I, I was know. thinking of maybe some as seen on TV product that was popularized yeah. then, you know, a flow beef. And then she immediately starts causing terror in the hallway. Oh my God. She beats up at least five kids. <laughs> and Amber was like, can she do that as a teacher? And then Finn decides that this is the time that he's going to accept Santana's offer uh, for the sex. And he does that move, which is again, no one has done in real life. Akin to the hitting the car, he does the licks his fingers and slides them across his eyebrows. And I'm just like, what is that? What, what, what You're does not that straight, for you? straight boys do that all the time. I mean, I, I'm okay with a yawn because I've done this, a yawn and a over the shoulder at the movie theaters. I've pulled that move, but not a lick your fingers and brush your eyebrows. Have you ever done the thing in Greece when he yawns, puts his hand over the shoulder and then moves his hand down to the boob and goes, oh, Sandy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And like you I know, just... I've never seen that movie. Oh, my God. I just watched Grease Live because it is. Well, yeah, Grease Live it is, is like, good. Grease Live is like so good. Yeah. And I forgot how snatched Vanessa Hutchins is. I saw her you waist put it on is your like, Instagram story. Her waist is like this big. And then literally maybe two days later, Bretman put it on his Instagram that he was singing to it. I don't know. I mean, I, I assume it was the Grease Live version because I don't think he would randomly listen to the Grease soundtrack, but yeah. Some people do because the Grease soundtrack is also good. Yeah, but we know it's um, better. It's the Grease Live version. Only some songs because uh, Derek Huff's sister, Julianne, yeah. she is not as good of a singer as Olivia Newton-John. Uh, okay, yeah, for sure. We can all agree that our Lord and Savior, what's his name? Uh, Aaron Aaron. Yeah. Oh, Oh, so hot. I know. Every time I watch Grease Live, I'm like creaming my jeans in every scene because it's so hot. (laughs) Um, And the the song that's by uh, Jordan Fisher, that song is so much better in Grease Live. Oh, yeah. Jordan Fisher is. Also, there are songs in Grease Live that aren't in Grease. Every time I watch Grease Live, I also remember the fact that Vanessa Hutchins' dad died like that morning. Yeah. And she was like, still got to put on a show. show I would have been like, go on. But in the scene, she like puts her, his hand down. He like grabs her boob and she's like, Danny, what are you doing? And he like throws her down and he's like, Oh, Sandy. And she's like, Danny, get off me. Danny, stop. Is this the very start of the show? No, this is like towards the end. This is like the, the last break. Cause you know, they break up like four times. Sure. (laughs) The last breakup 
when she decides to do her monologue where she's like, but how there's no place to hide. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? But now there's no Hopelessly I haven't watched devoted. it since it was aired on NBC. So, well, I'll let you know that what it's you... not available okay. literally anywhere. That was my question. Um, All right. Anyway, back to this show. He does the eyebrow thing, which no one does. And my favorite part, though, of this kind of scene, I guess, when he's going up to Santana to accept her um, offering of, you know, the sex, which, no, no, sorry. He accepts her offering of the nasty. Um, is that they're playing Madonna music in the background. And it's like... Well, they're playing it throughout the halls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every scene has sure. it. Sure. But it's like the perfect, like... I don't know. There was just something to it that was very well done. Oh, I think that makes every scene in this whole episode the best because there's yeah. Madonna playing behind it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I think it just wasn't just... I don't know. It was. I don't know if it was the song. I don't remember. It was good. Um... And then we go to Sue's office yep. where Mercedes and Kurt are trying to, you know, check in on her, make sure that she's okay. Cause they saw her just have this like meltdown in the hallway. Uh-huh. And I, the first thing I realized is she told the kids about her sister. You yes. know, we were the only ones to knew at this point and yes. now the kids know. I wrote down in caps. O M a G. Like that was a moment. It was like an inspirational moment from Sue. And we find out that her parents are famous Nazi hunters. Uh huh. And that because <laughs> and- of that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, actually, I don't remember why she's cutting her hair. What, what, what is she doing? She severely damaged it because she wanted it to be blonde. She when wanted she to saw, look like Madonna. She saw, it wasn't Madonna. Oh, it was Madonna. She wanted to look like Madonna, and so she severely damaged her hair by using like all these products that her and her sister could find around the house. Yes, one and of I which, love that Mercedes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Mercedes goes. Mercedes like when she mentions the album, Mercedes is like, that would make you like 30 and Sue's like 29. <laughs> yes. And one of the products that she's found around the house is napalm. <laughs> napalm, which I thought was like a war. Yeah. I don't think that's real. <laughs> I mean, I don't I think, know. I, I mean, thought napalm was like a battle that we had in Vietnam or something. Oh, I think napalm's like rocket fuel or something. She, and that's why she's actually always been making fun of Will's hair. Cause she's secretly jealous of him. She flat out says these words that I'm shocked by. I'm shocked. Not only does we are watching the, uh, the statue of Jane Lynch, AKA Sue Sylvester. We're watching it crumble, right? This episode, not crumble, but it's like becoming more of a person. Um, Well, that's what I was thinking is, I don't know about any of the reality shows that you watch, but I'm very used to like every time, every time in RuPaul's drag race, there is a girl that is like extremely pretty. And they're like, we need you to show us, some vulnerability, uh-huh. right? Like they're like, you're always great, but you're never vulnerable. I don't know if that happens on like your shows, <laughs> survivor or whatever. Do they do that? Uh, there, there's typically more of a, of a, of a, there's typically more of like a breakdown moment, you know, Yeah. where like they've, um, so they used to do this thing called rites of passage, which was like at the end of the show, the people who were final three, final four would remember everybody they've kind of gotten past but they kind of did so like introspectively where they were like, I'm so glad I came on this show. Like it helped me realize X, Y, and Z. And then I got to come on the show or get over something. Like there's always some kind of character defining moment. Yeah. Um, And it's that, or it's in a competition and Jeff is just yelling at them. 
Like you can do this. Like, I don't know. It just becomes kind of inspirational. I gotcha. Cause yeah, what happens normally is the judges are like, you need to show us vulnerability. And then the next episode on the runway, the girls are like, my dad doesn't know that I do drag. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah, like, yeah. they, you know, they have to have some arc for the producers to want to keep them on the show. Yeah. For sure. Cause I've, I'm very much that person that realizes now that reality TV, even though if it's not scripted, the, the producers are running the show. It, the talent isn't always what's keeping them. It's the, the producers that are yeah. doing it. Well, um, again, on, on maybe on your show, Survivor is not that way. I think on all shows, like I even think about like Big Brother, like, yeah, there's like there's th- but there's certain things that the producers can do to help, like manipulate the people yeah. in the house's minds to go the uh, way they want it to go. Uh, mm, I don't know. Well, we, well hey, we, we need to finish that, which is Kurt saying I'm gay and Mercedes is black. We make a <laughs> culture and the whole point of that scene was for them to say, we can help you with your look. Well, I also love that it, it is 100% true that like queer black people create culture, like all in all. And we'll get to it in a minute, but they ex- queer black people cre- definitely create the culture that's going to help Sue in a minute. So we get to the school library and Jesse is waiting for Rachel in the stacks because he wants to apologize for being a dick and trying to pressure her into having the sex because he was horny. He also wants to make sure that she has his care bear, which I was, <laughs> I was confused about, but okay. Rachel mentioned that he left his care bear there uh-huh. when he ran out, when she said no to sex, he ran out of the room without his care bear. And again, I say she won him a Care Bear at the Wiggles concert. Uh, okay, okay, okay. That was me not listening to the dialogue. Um, and he says that whenever she is ready to have the sex, uh-huh. he will be meticulously groomed. Uh, he says fastidi- fastidiously groomed. <laughs> and then um, Rachel's like, oh, because of that, because you're grooming, I'm ready for the sex. Uh huh. She goes she, she, like me. She goes, oh, okay. Well, in that case, you know. <laughs> And then Emma practically says the same thing. She storms up to Will in the middle of the hallway and she says foreplay begins at 7:30 sharp. Hell yeah. She says she's ready for the nasty. It's time for her to take control, which I really, I don't know, I appreciated for her because you can tell it's something that she's trying to like and maybe it's just me identifying with this, but it's like she's trying to overcome something in her head to something mentally to do something physically, which is 100% like the biggest struggle, you know, I've had this year I've had in the past to get out of my own side, to get out of my own head is like incredibly hard for someone who is that way. We love when it's hard. Yes. So I appreciated this. And we realize now we're going to get three of the sexes. Oh yeah. We're going to get Santana and, uh, Finn, Fintana. We're going to get Will and Emma, Wemma Uh, (laughs) or shoe Stary. Let's recap. We've got Fintana, Wemma, and Jachel. Jachel. <laughs> Our three soap opera couples. And then we get back to what looks like the choir room, and we see that Artie's in a director's chair, a.k.a. his wheelchair. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And he is directing. He's handicapable. Handicapable. Um... We realize that the multimedia production. I have a question of us. Is is Artie in real life IRL a wheelchair? No, I went over this. Oof, that's problematic nowadays, isn't it? 
I don't know. Everyone's trying to cancel Sia because she doesn't have an autistic person playing an autistic person. And I'm like, I don't get it. It's very problematic nowadays to have somebody who is an actor, you know, and could fulfill that role. But instead it went with somebody it's, it's very, it all started with Emma Stone playing the Hawaiian person. Yes. Or the Asian person. Emma Stone playing the Asian person, Scarlett Johansson playing the trans person. Uh, and um <laughs> the AI and her? <laughs> no, it was like hasn't happened yet. It's like uh, okay. it was supposed to happen. I think they ended up cutting it because of all the backlash. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then it's and I, I listened to a podcast where they talked about this at one point, and I was like, I think it makes sense for certain communities. Do I think that trans people should still be played by trans people because they don't have enough representation? Yes. Okay. Do I think that on the on the other hand, though, I also think that there are times where you can justify having someone who is not that to not that identity in the thing in order to help sell more of that story. Right. Okay. Like, for instance, Love, Simon is played by a straight man in a gay role. But I don't think that movie would have gotten as much of a claim as it did if they didn't have an actor who already had some sort of something. Uh, I don't know about that. That's, I get that's what you're trying take. to say. I think that that's my take on it. I think a better example in my head is a movie. I never know what it's called, but it has, it stars. It's an older movie. It stars Christopher Reeve and Michael Caine. I think it's like this paradox movie, but what's and this is like a major spoiler, but whatever it's an old movie. Um, the big thing is that at the time, Christopher Reeve was like the poster child for masculinity, right? He was Superman. That was what he was known for. It was very much like with Harry Potter, right? Like how is Daniel Radcliffe ever going to overcome this? That is who he is. And then he was in this movie and the whole time you had no fucking clue. And then suddenly he's gay, you know? And it's like, that's what made the movie good is because no one expected it, especially with what he was known for. And then suddenly he wasn't like it had to be played by a straight person for that to work. So in your case, I I think that's what you're getting at. But yeah, I guess a little bit. But what I'm really saying is that, like, I think there's certain times where you can justify someone not being in that role in order to start making way for someone who is in that role, start taking that place like for a long time, you know, and I think I think about it, too, is that like like a transition thing. Yeah, and I was thinking about I was trying to think of what show it was, but there was a show with um I want to say it was a a show with like a blind person in it and it was played by not a blind person, but they had blind people there on set to help make uh, it more it's, authentic it's and the like It's a TV show C. Jason Oh, Malone. yeah, it was the TV show C. They have blind people there to make it more authentic and make sure yeah, that it's Right. And I think I think that's I think the think right way to do that. We don't know whether or not Sia had actual autistic people there to Yeah. Yeah. And I think that she wanted to use Maddie Ziegler, who she uses in everything. Who's a star, right? Who's a star who will get people out to this sh- movie. Yes, for sure. To create think, the story yeah. that she wants to create. And it's not like there hasn't been actual autistic people on shows. Isn't the kid from Parenthood actually autistic? Well, isn't the the gal, you know, you know, here for like Becky, right? Like, do they not fulfill that? She's actually has down syndrome. Yeah. So it's like, I think that you're getting your, yes, you're hitting at the point. And I think that's valid. I just think that I'm, it's rare that I'm ever on this side. You know that, but with the Artie thing, like, yes, you have a talented individual. However, of all type of roles, right? This is something where I feel like it's probably a very restricted opportunity as an actor who is in a wheelchair to get roles that are like, 
opportunistically specifically wheelchair. So I'm sure it's like a very narrow path for shows, right? And that's getting better, obviously. But I do think that was one where I'm like, oh, I don't know. Ryan Murphy uses someone later in a wheelchair who actually is in a wheelchair. I just think that this is a... It just seems like like one of those moments that nowadays would be frowned upon. I don't, and also in my head, I think I think I I watched the casting call videos. Like Kurt originally auditioned as Artie. Like there was lots of people that came in to audition for Artie. Right. And justifiably, if you're looking for someone with this like rock, you know, kind of soulful voice, and no one comes in with that, and even though if they're in a wheelchair, you're going to choose the person who's more talented. Even though we don't know why Finn is (laughs) (laughs) exactly what I was going to say. Well, would you? So I don't know. I think it's a conversation to be have. uh, You know, who's to say? But so, yes, Artie is directing this. And by this, I mean the Vogue video, which is, I would say, iconic. Yes. <laughs> Listening to a little voice memo that Jane Lynch made, she said that this was she admired how hard the kids work because this is the first time they ever had her dance. And she took the whole Christmas reset they took of filming <laughs> to learn this dance. And she still said it was very difficult. <laughs> And I was like, she barely even danced, but she, I mean, she did. She, she vogued, which is like objectively, probably the hardest thing. But this is what I was talking about. Voguing created by queer black culture. Like this is the whole concept of voguing is from the ballroom scene, which Madonna then took and made popular. The ballroom scene. What's that? Um, It was a huge thing in lots of big cities, specifically like New York, which it was a place for, Mainly people who were like kicked out of their homes. It was a bunch of black, mainly black, um, queer and trans people. They got to experience um, kind of a culture of their own. And that's where voguing came from. It was, if you ever heard the term like tens, tens, tens across the board. Um, but it's, it was a competition where they, they would have houses. And so you would live with these people that, and there's always a, a mother who was in charge of all these kids um, it was, sure. it was a huge thing in the eighties, um, and nineties, but that's when, that's where Madonna got it from was the, the ballroom scene. I thought as I was watching the Finn and Rachel duet, I was like, you know, thinking ahead, kind of like, what's going to be my favorite song this episode. Right. And I was like, I guess probably it's going to be this way, you know, like whatever, here we go. It fine. was good. Right. It was good. It was fine. Um, but like in spoiler alert, you know, instantly chills, chills by this whole fucking music video. So it is good. if I don't know, it is definitely iconic. It is. I wrote down Sue is Madonna, you know, like I was just kind of sh- shocked yeah. that out of nowhere, I was like, that's fucking Sue as Madonna. You know, I was right. just like, I just never, ever, I guess never. I don't know thought that she would be like a performer, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, to me, she is the person who is supposed to not be like, she is supposed to make fun of it. She is supposed to right. be the antithesis and well, the antagonist. Great, Cause we get is. to see this other side of her. Right. And I'm just so happy that like, she went along with it, that she not only gave the inspirational moment, but followed through on it. Um, I don't know. Like I, that's where I just realize and look and say like this, like she is the only so far, kind of teacher that really feels like a teacher to me, you know, Mm -hmm. like she's very abrasive, but she has like a reason almost always. And that's why I don't know, just this whole thing, outfit performance, uh, 
adding in some Sue lyrics like Will Schuster, I hate you. You know, this is, and that's what I was going to say is I still sing her version, which is like Sue Sylvester stands on air. They had style, they had grace, (laughs) like (laughs) all of that. But then also I love that she still kept like some Sue isms in it. Right. It wasn't like fully Madonna, but like when they're playing with her hair, she like hits them away. Yes. Right. 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 You know, there's like little things that she does. That's like, this is still Sue. Yes. And uh, obviously not to overlook Kurt and Mercedes that look phenomenal. Right. And, their like suits and um and i know Brittany was also in this video by the way i don't know oh, if you I didn't noticed even notice. that. yeah um and you and you again you haven't seen it but it gave me some um the the fx show better things it gave me some better things vibes when they were wearing like the suits and i i just there's something about that that it's it's such a good show like oh it's so good um, i've never even heard of better things oh highly recommend it's on hulu it's it'll it'll do wonders for you mentally, especially if you're looking for something feministic, it's wonderful. Um, it's just such a good, it's just such a moment. And I don't know after watching that, I don't know that there will ever be a moment on the show that can possibly beat that. It's so good. It is a very good moment. I would say there are better ones, but it is still like iconically great. And I also love that we go straight from that to another song. They were like, you got Vogue, you're digesting it. Yes. We're now going to go to like a virgin. <laughs> yes. And I was like, finally Which, you get points, a point <laughs> points. And I, and I almost, I nailed this one, right? It was specifically about the people who are virgins, but I said Emma and of course that's happening here. Um, but I like that they were interchanging, you know, like kind of it's all happening at once. And I think this um, is Emma's second singing debut. She sang that song in the dress in the wedding dress episode, but then I think yeah. this is like her second time. We're really getting to hear her sing. So Rachel's prepping for the nasty um, Finn also prepping for the nasty and Emma prepping for the nasty all in tandem, all at the same time. And I questioned kind of at the end of this, I questioned, was this all in their heads? Like the things that we were seeing, I think they were, um, I don't know. And you know, something happens later where I'm like, well, I guess one of them wasn't. So it was all partially in their heads. Um, and then, yeah. So about the performance, right? Like a virgin, um, the court, the chorus here is excellent. Like, the kind of everyone at the same time hitting the notes. Like it was just like, feels so good inside. Yes. Cause everybody showed their own range, right? And you oh, could yeah. almost Santana. Everybody's voices. It was, I love that. I also love that you would hear like one of them go, when you hold me. And then like a different one in a different scene would be like, when you hold me, like it was just like a very like good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also love that Santana and Finn are having sex in a motel. Right. right, right. Uh, <laughs> like I not at either down, of their houses. I wrote down damn Santana as well as like great plot usage because it's like, this is what you, this, this is what this show does well, right? It's when you take a song that you're performing, but you directly connect it as a plot device. That is the point of the show. I hate using Finn as a plot device, <laughs> not Finn, a song <laughs> that is the point, And he does that shit later. And I will call, I will call it out, but that is the point of this show is to have music tied to a plot. And I, it's just perfectly executed. I loved it. And here's the thing that Amber pointed out that I did not realize. Uh, Jesse and Will and Santana, all the people who are experienced, you know, supposedly are the ones on the back side. They are the big spoons, if you will. Yeah. And they wouldn't think it. Right. They are the tops, which you wouldn't think it. But then, of course, Emma is in front. Uh, Rachel's in front. 
and so is Finn, which I did not expect. So that's told me this, you know, this proved a point. Finn is a big bottom bitch. So he is allowed <laughs> to use that email address that you said I have. <laughs> he gets a domain, Finn at bigbottombitch.com. Um, I will also say that if you ever go back and watch them perform this again, Will and Santana look by far the hottest out of everyone. Like, Will's got this weird, like, he's got his sex eyes on, and uh-huh. Santana's like, oh, you know that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, She definitely has the fit going on, like the, uh, what's that called? Like a nighty going yeah. on. Yeah, Emma definitely is wearing her, like, 50s house coat situation. Uh, I just I just knew that Will and Santana both just reconfirmed for me my queerness and that I'm not one way or another because I was like, I want to be in the middle of the two of them. <laughs> is queerness middle or is it like above the middle? <laughs> you know, like like where on this spectrum that you're talking about, where does bi fall and where does you know, where does how do how do they intersect? How do they? Relate? Well, queer is the overarching term. OK, you know that, right? The queer is actually the umbrella term for the community. OK, sure. So bi is in there. Yeah. I still don't really understand like not picking. I, I, I get not picking something, but I get, I don't get not, it doesn't sound like that falls on a spectrum. It sounds like it, it is the spectrum. Queer right? is the spectrum. Right. So th- I say gotcha. that I am, I am this, I am the spectrum. <laughs> Again, I, I, well, I refuse to believe the Connie Britton thing, but I will, I will allow this thing because yes, in this situation, sure, maybe, but still, Finn is blah. He's a Cabbage Patch Kid. He's I didn't not say Finn. Team. You did. You said Finn and Santana. I said Will and Santana. I wanted to be right dab, smack dab in the middle of them. Okay, but they're not in the same scene together. No, but I'm, what I was arguing was that they were the hot, out of all six people, they were the hottest ones. Oh. Okay, yeah, duh. And then we realized that it was all a dream. <laughs> and then we go to the hallways again, and Sue is just walking by... Um, in her tracksuit, and Mercedes uh-huh. and Kurt are like, "What?" And she goes, "Whoopie, Don Knot." <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's why I'm shaking my head over here. Hey there, Whoopie. <laughs> and we find out that Sue realizes that she does not need all the Madonna isms because she is Sue. She goes to Figgin's office in a cone bra. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She goes, I do not re- need to reinvent myself. I need to reinvent others. Very soon. Starting with you yes. is what she lets them know. And what I'm going to say, what I'm going to let you know is that we're going to break. So then we go back to learning what actually happened behind closed doors. Um, like we get kind of like a full on recap of each individual thing, which I appreciated because I wasn't sure what had happened in the first point and you know, I need to know. So Rachel, number one, uh, sorry. Uh, Jachel, we find <laughs> out that Rachel just couldn't do it. You know, uh, Jesse in the scene says, can you just come out so we can talk about it or sing about it? And I was like, stop being so gay. Jesse St. Cloud. And Rachel says that she can't have sex with him because it would be betraying the team. And literally sleeping with the enemy. Um, 
Finn, on the other hand, tells Rachel, yeah, I couldn't go through with either. When in reality, we find out that Finn totes went through with it. I was so proud of Finn, although it was also a little gay for him to say it didn't matter or whatever. He was like, I don't feel anything. Well, because it doesn't mean anything. I think virginity is still like something that is so overly hyped, which is like, like I have no attachment to my person. Like, you know what I mean? It just, it doesn't mean anything. And I don't think it has to mean anything, but there is still such like a whatever with it. Yeah, Um, but he says he doesn't feel anything. So either Santana sucks or she doesn't suck enough. Am I right? I think it, I think he just meant that he thought he would feel like a new, like a man or whatever. Like, you know, there's that like, Oh, once you have sex, you'll feel like, yeah. Um, but I have a feeling that this lie might come back to bite him in the ass. Oh, I would hope so. Uh, bite him in the ass. I mean, you know, wink, wink face. Um, Emma also can do it. She ran out without her shoes on, which to me that, kind of symbolically told me that she had overcome something, right? Can you imagine her walking anywhere without her shoes on? OCD, OCD girl that she right. is? Come on. And Will decides that it's time to lay out an official no dating policy until their divorce is final. Which means that he started it. He has filed for divorce. Thank God. And Will tells Emma that while they're waiting for the divorce to become final, she needs to get better help. Betterhelp.com slash Glee. <laughs> Which I, I don't know. I didn't take this the way Emma took this. Emma was kind of like thankful for it. Oh, I thought it was a dick move. I thought it was too. He was like, I got you a counselor and they can come here every day for you because you need help. And it was just like, yikes, buddy. Like, I guess I understood the gesture maybe. And maybe they had talked about it, you know, off screen, but I don't know. It just didn't feel necessarily like I wanted it to. Oh, and then Emma walks out and Jesse St. James is just standing there (laughs) and he has decided that he is going to join the new directions, which I think I always forget happens. (laughs) And he's doing it for two reasons. One, Rachel. And two, it's not said, but it's implied by last episode to ruin the new directions. Right. He's a plant. And Mercedes speaks the truth here for a moment. She goes, we were already fighting for solos, and all you want to do is bring me at the end of every number to belt out that last note. And I'm like, that's what they do. (laughs) And Brittany also speaks the truth here. (laughs) As she slowly raises her hand and says, Will, is he your son? (laughs) And then we get to go to one of the most iconic pep rallies in Glee history where we find another Cheerios performance to the song Four Minutes by Madonna and Justin Timberlake. And it looks like Kurt and Mercedes are Cheerios because obviously they later confirm it. But at first I was like, Sue would never let them wear that uniform unless they were. So I knew right away that they were on the squad. And we know that Will does not know this because Will looks shooketh. To his core. And so does Rachel. (laughs) But, and Quinn is loving it. The whole performance, every time they go to Quinn, Quinn's like. And this is where I was kind of (laughs) unsure. Like, I almost thought, despite her turning down head Cheerio or whatever and not wanting to be, you know, it almost felt like a moment that Quinn should have had. 
Cause she doesn't have any moments this episode. And I was like, why is she not the one rejoining? I, she just feels very detached from the entire episode. I'm like, I don't know what she's doing now. It's like, she, she still kind of lives in Ben's house. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what she's doing. So I was a little, you know, let down by that. Um, but they, uh, Kurt and Mercedes are finally getting like the applause and the adoration, um, that they deserve. And Sue admits to Will that, yeah, she's adding vocals to her, uh, you know, Overly, already wildly overproduced Cheerios numbers. Yes, for sure. Will was like, y'all didn't want to give me a heads up for this. And they're like, the same way you didn't give us a heads up when you didn't give us a solo every single week in Glee Club. And I was like, oh, shit. But then Kurt was like, we're doing both. And I was like, oh, this was way less dramatic than I thought it could have been. Honestly, and this is what I alluded to earlier. This was the performance because they started out the performances with Sue's Cheerios the stilts one. This was the performance that made me think, well, surely this is the end of the episode. You know, like they could have cut it here because it was a cliffhanger. Like it was just like, all right, we're good. I felt good. It was a great performance to end on, but we bought rights to two more songs. (laughs) I know, but I was just kind of like, like it just felt like, like everything Ryan Murphy does. It just went on for too long at this point. Oh, see, I think this is one of the first episodes we've had in a while that I think was actually good paced. I think the last two episodes, I think both Hello and Sectionals were like, and Mattress, honestly, were like kind of dragging a little bit. I think this one kept up the pace. And like, I almost had to double check and be like, is this an hour and a half episode, like a two hour episode? I don't know. I still don't know. But like, they should have just. It was 39 minutes. God, right there, man. They could have. Because then they go to this other song, which was terrible. Uh-uh. I think oh, my God. What? Uh-uh. This song this was song, terrible. This song is like the whole point of this episode was it's to... It's the point, but it's bad. No. Oh, God. Go try to re-listen to this fucking thing. It's terrible. Also, listen to the full thing because the TV... That's why I sent you the album because the TV version goes from the first verse to the final chorus, which is not how a song should be anyway. Um, and Finn's and Puck's voices mix well. Okay. Um, and already sounds good too. And this is like the culmination of all the boys minus Puck realizing that they have been dicks. Yes. But again, it's, it's, it's such a device. It's such like a, it's just hitting it on the nose, you know, far too much. Like we get it. The boys have learned something. They could have just jumped right to the cutscenes of them learning something. But instead, they've taken the pace, which was excellent, and fell right off the cliff. You know, Wiley Coyote style. I just don't it's, agree. I just think they should have either either two the options. One, cut it, which I'm all for. Or two, moved it up. Put it closer to the shit that they were dealing with and almost had it kick off the whole Madonna thing. That was the whole point of this, right? Well, I do think that this, this could have been before the pep rally. Yeah, for sure. I don't think it could have been too much sooner. Like, I think they still all had to have the sex first. Yeah. Well, sure. I think it, well, kind of, I don't think anybody else really in this group really is learning anything. Like puck's not a part of that. And those are the people who are giving takeaways. Artie's not a part of that. Those are the people who are getting something out of this. Not Finn. But Tina already changes his mind because Tina pops off on him because she feels so inspired by Madonna. Uh-huh. And she pops off on him. And I also love this scene because they're, they have a podcast together, you know? So it's, like, cool to see the relationship of the characters when the actors are, like, you know, you know what I mean? Sure. Are they doing it? Kevin McHale is gay. 
Oh, well, I don't know that. He's in a very loving relationship with another twink. Sure, I guess. <laughs> so their on-screen romance has gone to a podcast? Okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a nice, you know, they, because all of their, almost every scene with Artie also has Tina in it and vice versa. So they were like close scene partners and now they have a podcast together. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I guess. It's just a weird song. It's easy to be a dude. I was like, mm, cool. Yay. Like, let but me it, sign up for the next Bible verse. I mean, it is a Madonna cool. song though. Yeah. And it's just a boring song. I just, I don't agree. <laughs> Does anybody go back and listen to that song? What it feels like for a girl? Because I think it's macho high school boys trying to appreciate the struggles that girls go through. But they're not trying to appreciate it. That's the point. Will shoving it down their goddamn throats and saying, here, boys, and it's coming from Will, of all people. Will, why were you singing with us? Because I'm equally stupid. Right. Ugh, I don't know. Again, it's one of those songs that's just, like, politically motivated, and not politically, you know, whatever that word is I'm trying to say, and I'm just like, it just doesn't land. It lands for me. And it inspires Artie to apologize to Tina, Finn to apologize to Rachel, and then Finn welcoming Jesse to the New Directions. So that, and Kurt saying as an honorary girl. <laughs> <laughs> but again, Finn as the voice of reason is terrible. But he is the captain of the new direction. Bad, bad, bad. My name's Finn. I hate him. And he as the voice of reason is awful. But Finn then decides to drag Jesse along. Or not it's fine. It's, I do love that Jesse's contrast here is more enlightening. You know, Finn's being the better person slash the woke individual now. And Jesse's calling her my girl. You know, it's very contrasty to what we're learning in terms of him not objectifying and then Jesse continuing to objectify. Right. That's that's the better point there of all of that. It's like you could have, I just think you could have taken that five minutes and been like, give me the Jesse bit because that's what mattered. Whatever. And then we get our final number, which is like a prayer. I almost said by Madonna, but all of these songs are by Madonna. <laughs> this one also by Madonna. And it is amazing. So good. I got, dare I say, goosies. As you should. Because even though Finn is still derpy, <laughs> the second when um, they open up the curtain and the choir is there. Oh, they go, let the choir sing. And then there's a choir there. Goosies. Yes. In all caps, I wrote, I love a choir moment. Yes. Even right? though it's Nothing so realistic, but hot damn. It is great. Yeah. It's great. Um, I very, you know, Simon Cowell kind of attacked this one. One, it felt just a little bit beyond Rachel's range at first. I almost didn't. It was the first time I haven't loved Rachel with a solo. Well, Callie pointed out last episode, uh, Rachel, when it comes to a bra, if it has ever once been sung on Broadway. Sure. She's got it. When it comes to these pop vocals, it's just not her wheelhouse. And sometimes it's good to have someone like a Quinn or a Santana sing those. Is that Quinn didn't get a single fucking moment this episode. And it just felt very much like that could have been a Quinn moment because I don't think Rachel nailed it. Uh, Sorry, I don't think Leah Michelle nailed it. Therefore, I think that was a mistake. Two, auto-tune the fuck Finn is back. Like, outrageously auto-tuned. Blech. Three, Kurt and his high note. Damn, boy. I said that was good. It was like angelic. Like it was it like really was. It was magical. So love that. Mercedes, of course, is awesome. We get it. You've got fun pipes. fact in the choir. Mercedes Amber Riley, her mom is in that choir. 
It's ah. like the choir that her mom and her sister are in. And so that's yes. why they got on the show. Which, again, I just love. A, I love a choir moment. I think that that's always something special. Um, it always it always takes me back to season three of American Idol because Fantasia had that choir moment as her finale. Oh, my God. Know. Can Great. I just say one thing really quick that I learned today was just so there was Glee Live where they toured and they sang everyone's favorite songs from Glee. Journey. Right? <laughs> Journey. Uh, this song was one of them. And um, during the final stop on the tour, which was at Radio City Music Hall, the they never had a choir with them. And they surprised them by having a choir of the people that weren't on tour. So like Jonathan Groff was there. Um, Brad Felchek, who's one of the creators of the show, like all these people that were like a part of the show with them were there and they did a choir and they like were all really surprised. I found out that Kevin McHale for the live for for Glee Live (laughs) was still in a wheelchair. (laughs) They made him perform (laughs) in a wheelchair. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where it becomes very problematic to me. So they because I get I guess it's kind of like High School Musical Live, which was like they made them stay in character. You weren't just like on tour performing songs. You were Rachel. They probably I bet you they had dialogue or whatever between things. OK. Maybe. Um, so <laughs> they let the choir sing and they all turn and everyone's like so excited. And Kevin McHale's like, oh, I want to see. So he turns in his wheelchair. And I guess whoever was next to him didn't realize that he was still at like elbow level and yeah. elbowed him in the face. And knocks his glasses off of his face. And he's like, I can't see anything. Wow. <laughs> uh, great, great moments. And Yikes. so, Zach, of let's go through them all because there are lots of songs. We have. Oh God, you don't even have to. The answer is Vogue. Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Sue Sylvester, Dance on Air. They had style, they had grace. Rita Hayworth gave good face. Lauren, Catherine, Lana too. Will Schuster, I hate you. Really? Oh my God. Yes. Because it's a, it's a moment. It's a moment. Like there are, yes, there are. Sure. We could play the game where it's like, what's your favorite performance and favorite music video here. But like, it's like, that is no, the performance yeah, what's your of a favorite lifetime. Performance? That is the performance of a lifetime. I mean, I don't think, and again, I don't know, but Jane Lynch, Sue extending the kind of kind of breaching the barrier. That is what her character has been and has proven to be to become something that is like going along with the kids, you know, kind of, yes, somewhat selfishly in terms of getting a new look or a new hairdo, but also I don't know. You just don't get people. You don't like, no one does that, right? Like no one goes to that degree for like, like these two kids that are just like, we want to help you out. Everyone else would laugh in their faces and just say like, Oh, like that's okay. You know, whatever. It just went way beyond what I thought Sue would ever do. So I really appreciated the moment. It gave me major chills. And like, that is something that I could watch over and over and over again. Honestly, her just saying the words, you know, I'm saying Sue Sylvester, blah, blah, you know, like all the names that come through, like yeah. I could just watch her watch that, you know, all the time. So for sure, hands down, don't care about the other songs. That was number one. My favorite was like a prayer. It's just, it's, it's the only song that gave me goosies this whole episode. And so it's, Mm. it's just, it's very good. If it was my first time watching it, do I think it might've been Vogue? Maybe. Right. But still, I'm like, uh, like a prayer. It's a good moment. I just feel like it was easier picked apart 
than the Vogue performance in terms of there were no mistakes with the Vogue Like a Prayer is also my favorite Madonna song. Yeah. So, oh, mm, Papa Don't Preach might be my favorite Madonna song. Maybe that's what, maybe Quinn is not in this episode because she already sang a Madonna song. I guess. But <laughs> Papa Don't Preach is your favorite Madonna song? It might, it's a good one. Is it? You don't know who Madonna is. <laughs> I know the songs. You know, do you know that she has a gap tooth and yes. a fake British accent? So you had zero, I mean, one point this episode. Uh, <laughs> you were on like an upward, you know, trend. You were like the COVID cases. And then I got too specific, you know, um, I don't know. Well, the next episode is home. Okay. I have to make a prediction based off that shit. That's what the episode's called. Home? I only ever This sounds like an episode I want to skip. Is it a bad episode? No, it actually has probably my. F- okay, don't say it. Maybe um, my favorite song in all of Glee. Uh, at least on, top me, 10. Let me, let me think of bad songs real fast. Um, you won't okay. know the song because it's uh, Broadway. Um, uh, what? You think you know Broadway and I don't? I know Broadway better than you do. Uh, I don't know that you do. Cool. Can't wait to have that discussion next week. But do you want me to give you a hint? I don't know. I feel like it's cheating. I guess. Sure. I think you're just doing so poorly. I should give you a hint. Uh, I don't want any help. Okay. Um, we will see a return of a previous guest star. Okay. Um, so that should factor into my prediction, basically. I mean, it doesn't have to, but if that helps you, I don't know. I don't know. It makes me want to go down. It's either Chenoweth or Idina. Um, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like Chenoweth's or Howard kind of Bamboo. Has, ugh, I feel like Chenoweth's ship has kind of sailed a little bit for the moment, but Idina feels very omnipresent, you know? All right. Number one, we've had a lot of Jesse lately and Jonathan Groff can only hang around for so long. He's got things to do. Broadway's to perform. So I think we're going to get a little bit of closure maybe on his character for a moment. Cause he's joined. I don't know. It's weird for him to star this whole back half of the season to me for some reason. It's a little out there. So I think that Jonathan Groff will go away temporarily after this next episode. And we'll know that because of something that happens. God, I really want to make a prediction about finally getting resolution with Quinn and Finn living together <laughs> at a home, but I don't know. I feel like it's a big plot hole. Ah! Number two, Terry returns because the divorce has been filed, which therefore means that someone's going to be upset, namely Terry. Number three, since Kurt and Mercedes are part of the squad and they're now doing both, There's going to be some conflict on purpose from Sue regarding what practices Kurt and Mercedes can or cannot attend. Are those clear? Uh, Can I tell you now (sighs) how many points you have? (laughs) After the next week's episode? (laughs) Yes. Feels like fucking zero. I don't know. Damn this show. Uh, I mean, you said it's a Ryan Murphy show and they're super predictable. So well, it was. (laughs) All right. This is a, my God, you have three hours of content. I know. I'm so sorry. Murder me. Um, Murder my whole. (laughs) Well, we deeply apologize for this 12 hour long episode that you had just listened to. (laughs) Um, Don't forget. There's so much good content. I swear. 
maybe you muddled through and just, you know, this is a two day or, you know, you start it, you stop it, you start it, you stop it, you start it. And then you go, God, God, I haven't even gotten halfway. <laughs> you start it, you stop it, you finish it. Yeah. We love when it finishes. Um, don't forget to subscribe and rate us five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. And we will see you next time. And you no longer missed it because we just told you. And that's what you missed on Glee.